sponsored by Expressway. With My Expressway, free travel pass holders can reserve their seats online at expressway.ie or at our ticket machines in stations. Hello there and welcome to another Senior Times Wine podcast with me, Mairead Robinson. Now, in today's discussion, we're going to be talking about organics. So why not pour yourself a glass of your favourite wine, organic or otherwise, and settle in for today's conversation. So perhaps you've never had an organic wine before, or what do you know about them? Do you believe it's maybe better for your health and for the health of the soil and indeed the planet? Does it necessarily taste better? Does it cost more? If you're laying down wines, will it last as long as other wines? And what exactly is different from the wine to make it certified organic, besides fertilizers, pesticides, fungicides and herbicides, which in fairness don't sound very appetizing? So today I'm delighted to be joined by Seamus Goulding, who together with his brother Fergus are the men behind the Irish Organic Wine Importers. So for the past 10 years now, they've been bringing a wide range of organic wine from across Europe into Ireland, and I'm very interested to hear their story. So Seamus, thank you so much for joining me today. And maybe you'll start by telling me your background. What brought you to focus on organics and where did your interest in wine even start? Well, I suppose. Thank you, Mairead. Um, I suppose, like many people, we all started for ourselves in the late 70s, early 80s with the usual black and blue, as Ruddy Doyle put it, black terror, blue none. And then we moved on to sophisticated res like Piedor. But over time, um, Ireland became uh, a market for a much more interesting range of wines and you got new world wines in and you had more Europeans, Eastern Europeans, etc. And we found, myself and my brother, when we were out, like we were c- quite Catholic in our taste of beer. But we in that we would only drink one or two types. I'd only drink Guinness, really. But when it came to wine, you were far more adventurous in what type of wines you'd try. And then as it progressed, we found, as we progressed and got older, we found that not only were there different types of wines from different countries, different varietals, there was different ways of making wine. And we found that there were mass-produced wines, such as those, for example, some down in Australia, some in America, and then you read about the, the the Austrian and German wine market collapsing here in the late 70s because there was supposedly put an antifreeze in. And this began to bring, give us an awareness that wine making could be manipulated to sort of make it cheap and cheerful. And in fact, that's what a lot of the wine we did drink. And we had the opportunity to go to France then and we were down there in Languedoc on holiday and we met a man who was the head of a co-op who was married to an Irish woman. And he told us that there was organic wine being made in his area. And he brought us to a couple of the vineyards. And we had always wanted to set up a small business for ourselves, not sort of to be fully reliant on it because our, a lot of our family were sort of business people and they were self-employed. And we toyed with the idea of trying to bring in wine. And thankfully, because of the internet, it's a lot easier nowadays to make contact directly with winemakers. So we started off with Languedoc wines, one or two of the better producers in that region. And over time, we've we've extended out into Spain and to France and Germany. And we attend the World Organic Wine Fair every year, which is a meeting of over 600 winemakers from all over the world. And uh, we meet with them and we taste our wines and we decide whether they will um, sell on the Irish market because we see that we don't, I wouldn't call myself an expert on winemaking, 
but we will be fairly confident we know what wines the, the, the market can, can bear here, which types generally sell. So we did a bit of background work and uh, we explored the market and we've slowly begun to build up a business. And as my brother says, we've gone from micro to tiny at this stage. And tell me, um, what different roles do you play? Like, what's your main area and what's Fergus's main area? It is just the two of you running the business. It's just, yeah. it's just the two of us. Yeah. Like, I mean, basically, Fergus lives down in Cork and I live in Dublin. So we basically have explored the markets in each area. And as wholesalers, we would sell to uh, restaurants, to a couple of shops, um, and uh, there would be corporate business. And then there will be people who would buy a mixed case, for example. And we find that people are cautious about organic wines because they're not entirely sure what they're buying because most of the brands that they're, or the, that they're uh, purchasing, they will never have heard of before. And uh, like most Irish people like to buy wines that are familiar to them. A bit of a, a, bit of a hard sell. But once we, uh, I have to say, once we have obtained a toehold in a market, we've managed to hang on to it because people are very happy with the product once they once they purchase it. Yeah, I, I find perhaps a lot of this can be down to labelling. I mean, I know there is a certification on the label if a wine is organic, but if you're not familiar, for, for those who are not familiar with looking at labels and understanding and reading labels, sometimes I think perhaps people might be drinking an organic wine and not even realising that it is an organic wine. So I guess the main thing would be to make sure that your sommeliers or your, your, your off licenses or the different places that stock your wines, that they're very clear to point out to the, to the, to the purchaser that it is an organic wine they're buying. Well, I think there's, it's very clearly now there's an EU certification process uh, which certifies that wine is organic and a winemaker can't just necessarily decide in 2021 that they're going to be uh, making non-organic wine and then in 2022 produce organic wine because it takes a number of years for the soil to recover from all the chemicals exactly. that were put into it like for, like for exactly. yeah. yeah and then they also have to um generally there's a it's a much more um manual type of harvesting of the uh, the grapes etc and a much more manually or labor intensive uh, cultivation of the of the of the grapes themselves so it's a big decision for a winemaker to make to move yeah. into that um sort of space and then as i've spoken like we've met with all the winemakers with whom we uh, we work with and they might say if they're an organic um, winemaker in the middle of a non-organic set of winemakers it's very hard to try and maintain that organic status because there could be sprays going on in neighbouring vineyards, etc. I was they have going to, to say that. Yes, exactly. You know, but they do, I find that the, the organic, it's, it is beginning to slowly uh, increase in popularity around the world at present. And surprisingly in France, I think is one of the areas where it's, it's quite prominent now. You know, That's very yeah. interesting because when you think of all the, the, the amount of wine production in France over decades, um, you'd imagine that it would be more difficult to get the soil and organic certification in that country rather than a newer, a new world winemaker, perhaps Chile, for example, that had a lot of virgin soil. You'd imagine it would be more difficult for somewhere like France to actually do that. Well, I think like the experience of the French winemakers over the last 30 years caused them to have a rethink, both in terms of the wines they were producing and the way in which they were producing it, because time was that 
they only had to sh- turn up and they sold their wine, whereas now they're facing a lot more stiff, stiffer competition. And they're beginning now to read the market and uh, they're identifying that there is a market for organic wines. As regards to soil, thankfully, Mother Nature can recover from a very, very extreme uh, sort of set of situations so that the soil can recover. And I have found that some of the people that we deal with are really, really conscious of what they put into the soil to make sure that it is only organic, only natural. And they yeah. see the benefits in terms of not only the, the, the wine, but the, the, the insect life around as well. It all sort of flourishes and it helps the winemaking. For example, I, I saw one um, in Sicily where they had a set of rose bushes at the end of each uh, set of uh, vines. And I was asking them, what was that for? And they said, well, we have got insects which are kind of on the on the grapes, which we don't want. They may harm the, the actual growth of the grapes. So we put up rose bushes. They attract ladybirds. The ladybirds then feed on the insects. Yeah. And um, it's a natural way of dealing with a situation rather than spraying them. Sure. So you've got you, a lot of things like this kind of going on and, and they're, they network and they let each other know what works and what doesn't work. I've seen it in my travels to vineyards over the years. I've seen um, practices exactly like what you've just described with the roses and the butterflies, also with geese running up and down between the vines and various different natural, if you like, uh, non-chemical methods of controlling them. But I have found, tell me if you have, I have found that it's some uh, winemakers or vineyards will, they keep their options open because if they are certified organic, they obviously cannot use any chemicals. But what happens when you get a terrible season, when you get terrible weather? And in order to save the harvest because of an infestation of something or other, you need to spray something. Um, So what I'm saying is I have found a few vineyards who have said, we don't go for certified organic because we're kind of keeping our options open if need be. Have you ever come across that kind of argument? We haven't dealt directly with any adults. We have spoken to a few and I think there's a there's a kind of a, an interim phase for I've seen in France emerging called converting to to organic. Yes. So um, where they're, they're thinking strongly about it, they're on that road, but they haven't they haven't dived full head in. It's a big commitment. In. Yeah. Yeah. I find that. Um, the one thing I'll say about organic wine is, unlike some of the main wines that you will buy in the shops for around the 10 euro mark, where you can be guaranteed whether you drank a bottle five years ago, this year or in five years time, it'll be exactly the same because they chemically ensure that you know what you're getting and there are no surprises. Yes. Organic wine very much uh, depends on the seasons and this, uh, the experience of each year. And we have found that sometimes there can be a little more body in a wine, a little more minerality depending on the actual uh, conditions in which the grapes grew that year. So there is that little more variation, but that's quite honest, which adds, I think, to the experience of drinking organic wine. And just on that, I would like to just sort of emphasize to your listeners, there are bad organic wines out there. It's not like being an organic winemaker will make you automatically a good winemaker. It means you're taking a particular path to making wine. And then it's up to you. Your skills are still a very important part of the winemaking process. So um, it's, it doesn't mean automatically if you pick up a bottle of organic wine, it's going to be superb. It yes. is good at the, the wines from that region in general because of the climate and the conditions that applied when it was being made. You know, sure, good but point. Yeah. That again, we deal directly with our winemakers. We generally um, taste our wines before we purchase. And we're happy, like the one thing we do feel we know is 
the Irish market in broad terms. We like sort of uh, particular types of whites, um, not too much minerality, but um, crisp, um, kind of appley, etc. from the European um, makers. And then a medium to full-bodied red wine. And then there are others like Pinot Noir, which might be a light wine. Yes. We found actually this year, with the summer we had, um, and it wasn't just for organic, but rosé was the wine of the year this year. Oh, very so much so, brilliant. yes. It was very much on trend this year. Yeah. Know? Outdoor dining and rosé. <laughs> That's yes. summer. And I, yeah. I think it was because of the COVID, people were sitting outdoors. We happened to get a fairly good spell and people then went for rosé. Yeah. No, you're rose. absolutely right. I must admit, I've I've um, I've enjoyed more organic, more uh, rosé wine this summer than I have done for a long time. Travelling with Expressway and your free travel pass is made easier with a reserved seat. When booking journeys at expressway.ie, make sure to select seat-only reservation free travel scheme and pay just two euro per trip to guarantee your seat. Bookings can also be made from ticket machines in stations and priority boarding will be given to those who book in advance. Travel without a booking is still more than welcome, if you prefer, provided we have space on board. Take it easy with your free travel pass and expressway.ie. Think you're not smart enough to own a smartphone? Well, think again and think Doro. Doro phones are designed specially with the older person in mind. They're easy to use with louder sound and larger text. Plus numerous state-of-the-art features that don't compromise on performance or quality. To learn more about the full range of high-tech Doro phones, visit doro.ie. Doro phones. Make friends with innovation. If you're enjoying this podcast, why not subscribe to Senior Times, the magazine and website for people who don't act their age. Or maybe you have a loved one or a friend who you know would love to read more. You can buy a subscription and have the magazine delivered direct to their door. To subscribe to Senior Times, visit the website at seniortimes.ie and like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash senior times. So um, I guess, yeah, tell me a little bit through your range. Obviously, uh, on your website, we'll list all your different wines, but a little bit about the range. And then maybe what what do you find or which ones do you find are the most popular with your Irish customers? Well, our range um, extends from Spanish. We would have wines from Rioja. Um, we had some Bobal from the south of Spain at one stage because sometimes we might get in the stock and then we mightn't go back to that supplier for another year or two because, as I said, like it takes some time to, to, to sell these wines. We would have wines from the Languedoc. Um, we have wines from Sicily. We have Nero Davila and we would have Pinot Grigio. Um, and we would have wines from... We had some wines from Bordeaux, um, um, we, we haven't done it this year, but we would hope to go back to them again. And then we have some sparkling wine, a kind of a Prosecco. Uh, they call it Sect or Secco in Germany um, from a small area in Bavaria. And we're the only people that they export it to. And I, and I suppose the, the, the analogy I use is we generally deal with the small farmer vineyards. They're, yes. they're kind of single estate. They, and they're very, very interested in in um, producing organic wines to the highest standards that they can. And when you're dealing with the small producers, I think they work better with you, you know, sure. so they're much more personal touch. They're more personally yeah. connected with the wine anyway, generally mm. more passionate about it. Yeah. 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 And we find then Rioja sells very well yes. I mean, because people are very familiar with Rioja. But when exactly. we brought in, say, a Priorat or a Bobal, 
Mm-hmm. They might not, people were cautious and uh, in terms of um, spending money on it, you know, and a couple of, it takes, it takes even the Nero Pericone, it took us a while to get that going. But then if you're sort of, if you aim at say Italian restaurants, for example, or a pizza restaurant, people, when they go into that restaurant will automatically begin to think I should be drinking an Italian wine and they might be a little more adventurous as a result. So, so we're kind of feeling a way as to what way the market responds to the different types of wines we have on offer. And so generally, and obviously it's a very general question, the price point, do people generally pay more for organic wines or is it that they're paying more for um, smaller, smaller wine producers? I find, I'm sure you're aware, Marie, like that, the the, the pricing structure for wine, that if you buy a bottle of wine for about 10 euro, it probably started life at a euro. Sure. If you buy it because of the duty and the VAT and yep. all the other taxes, etc. And if you buy a bottle of wine for about 13 or 14 euro, you're probably getting a bottle which is twice to two and a half times better at the start at about 250 or so. Indeed. Um, we find that because of the, in, the labor intensive aspect, the more um, the, 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 the the manner in which they ensure that the, the grapes thrive costs a little more. The cost base for the um, winemaker is higher than the mass-produced wines. So you generally won't find a good organic wine for less than about €12. Euro. Is that you because know, it's generally a more labour-intensive process? Yes, because of smaller yields. They don't, yeah. like, I mean, if you can imagine if you have a field of sunflowers or whatever and you're pouring or pumping um, fertilisers into that field, you'll get a higher yield. But the way that they take a natural approach is less of a yield. It might be hand-picked grapes at the end of the day. It's a much smaller operation. So the economic costs per unit will be that little bit higher. Mm. Um, and then the, uh, the trick for us is to ensure that taking into account that higher cost base, that the wine is of sufficient quality, that it will um, meet the Irish sort of market criteria. And it is a bit of a hard sell because it's like a, the bent banana syndrome, as we call it, like it's that little more expensive than the straight mass produced bananas you see in the supermarkets. Um, but we feel it's worth it. We feel it's worth it because you, um, you're getting a kind of a natural pro- a product. There are yeah. some sulfites in it, um, but it's, it doesn't give you the next day hangover by and large when you drink just moderate qualities of it, quantities of it. You know, um, I was in a vineyard once years ago before because we were always interested in wine and I love seeing it being made. But I saw one where, say, a 20,000 uh, litre vat where somebody was just putting in like some black curtain juice, a, a gallon of it or so into it, just to kind of give it notes of fruit, etc. And that was the first time I realised that it wasn't, wine wasn't an entirely natural product. You know, exactly. that there were ways of manipulating the nose and the notes of it, you know. Yeah. Like the wood chips they use in California. Yeah, that kind exactly. Of- yeah. So that's absent from the winemaking process sure. um, as regards organic. And then I'm learning that there's some use favour stainless steel tanks, some favour the concrete tanks, etc., or barrels. Um, and that all impacts on the price point at the end of the day. Of as course well. it does. Yeah. Well, actually, when speaking about the price point, um, like realistically, if you go into the supermarket and if you look at regular broccoli and then you see the organic broccoli, you know you're going to pay a premium for the organic product. And that's the yeah. same across all the vegetables and across all foods. And you find now that some of the bigger producers are now beginning to experiment in the production of organic wine because they see a gap in the market and they want to try and see if they can um, fill that gap. And it may mean that they may do 
take the same approach on a larger scale. But right now, the bulk of the organic winemaking is done at a kind of a small to medium enterprise size. Yes. What we've seen, you know, which is good. It's good because you're meeting a lot of people who are getting a lot of like enjoyment out of what they're doing. And you have that personal face-to-face contact when you're dealing with them in business rather than just uh, a company office. Sure. Sales you know? Sure. And I think one reason why I was so interested to speak to you is that because you deal solely in organic wines, whereas a lot of the wine importers, they might carry a few organic wines, um, but their range would be very mixed. But the fact that you carry just solely organic wines is, is particularly interesting and obviously shows that you, you very much believe in the you believe in, you believe in the range. <laughs> We do. We believe in the range, as I said. We believe in the way that the wine is made. And I have to say my own wine uh, tastes have changed in the last 10 years. I can I can think of particular types of wines, very, very popular wines, which I'm sure many people have drunk and are still drinking, used to be my go-to wines. I can taste the difference now. And it's not yes. like I can taste whether it's an organic wine or not. There's a there's a depth to the, like to the organic wine, which I think is absent from some of the mass-produced wines, in that when you open a bottle, it's still the the, the 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 nose is still developing as you go down through the bottle. Whereas I found with some of the other the mass-produced wines that it's a fantastic glass on the first glass, but by the end it's beginning to its powers are beginning to wane. Yes, so it's just the way that the wine is made, and and we generally find we open a bottle a good half hour an hour before we we drink it, and that really allows it to develop. Of course, you know? it allows the flavours to open up and open up in yeah. the glass. Tell me We've some... had some interesting experiences with sort of like while we, we, we do um, produce for the market, we're wholesalers. We had an interesting case of a, of a woman. She Believe it or not, she was in her 90s mm-hmm. and she was being looked after by a nurse down in Kerry. And she told the nurse that she'd had a dream of uh, about a wine and a, a wine that was called Melrose. And... Uh, the nurse decided to Google to see if there could be a Melrose wine. And sure enough, it wasn't a one and it was an organic wine we were selling. So she um, she asked, could she buy a bottle? And we said, yeah, of course, no problem. And she said, look, I know you're going to have to come all the way to Kerry's. So I need to buy more than one bottle. So what we said, we what we did was we actually got a bottle of Melrose Chardonnay because this woman, this pensioner, only drank white wine. And uh, we managed to have a bottle of Chardonnay. We were lucky. It was the last one we left. And uh, we did it up in a presentation box and the lady concerned about a dozen wines and we gave her the presentation box. And she said that the, the lady she was caring for couldn't believe her eyes when she saw really? the bottle of wine. And that she said, geez, I was I never thought I was dreaming about this. I never thought I'd actually see. And she didn't know there was such a wine. She just happened to mention it to the nurse. It was very decent of the nurse to sort of take that approach to kind of Wasn't it? look around, you know. So so, we, uh, so did did the lady drink the wine and did she enjoy it? She, oh, she loved it. Yeah, she said to the nurse. And she's still hale and hearty? She is. Well, she was last year. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Excellent. Great, you know, and that's one other thing I have to say about being in this, like this, this work. It yeah. gives you opportunities to meet people. Yes. And that's one of the best. And people from all walks of life, because it is something that you'll meet somebody who's, could be working out in the street or could be working in a hospital as a consultant or whatever, but you were, or, or working in a corporate sector, but you're dealing with people and you have a common interest in a particular type of wine. And yes. it's not just a bottle off the shelf. Um, they want to sort of ensure that what they're, what they consider to be is kind of a relatively healthy drink to taking. Sure. Despite the fact that there's alcohol in it. So yeah, I think it's, 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 it's a great, it's a great way to meet people as well. 
you know. Excellent. Well, before we go, Shay, tell me, um, what is your favorite wine? Obviously, from your from the range that you have, what what's your favorite bottle of wine? I suppose I love um, the. I mentioned Rioja. The one of the winemakers we um, deal with have has a range of sort of entry level Rioja right up to very sort of sophisticated, strong but uh, fantastic bouquet. Um, they're called Cepas, and it's a legado. It's it's so beautiful to drink, you know. But and it's that type of wine you'd only sort of have with food, and you'd only have one bottle. So yes. it's not something that you're going to sort of have a lot of. And it's yeah. I, I like that in red. I think I like a crisp white. There's a pick pool. I love I it's it's an unusual French one and I, I just love pick pool. Um, as a as a as a go-to white. Right. And like yourself, I drank a lot of rose this summer. I thought yes. rose. Good rose is yeah. beautiful. I know because a lot of the, the I don't mean to be putting down California again, but a lot of the California ones are terribly sweet. Mm. Um whereas there are some really nice dry very very interesting uh, rosés now it's not considered such just a girly drink anymore no, it can no. be quite a serious wine yeah. so before yeah, we I, go t- tell me what your uh, i look forward to, t- to trying these and investigating mm-hmm. organics a bit more for the next article but before we go tell me what would be your what would be your death row meal then a nice bottle of your of your oh. of your rioca what would you have to eat with it i love I'd asking people this question it gives me I'd many have ideas fill a steak without a doubt oh know? yeah and probably either I'd have either a red wine sauce or a pepper sauce. Um, oh, nice. I think I'd like some lovely sort of roasted vegetables. Organic, um, of course. Yeah. And <laughs> I would have um, a chocolate mousse for dessert. Oh, lovely. And I'd die happy. Oh, I think I would die quite happy after that as well. <laughs> Shay, listen, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much. And we'll talk again. Thank you very much. All, All the best. best. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.